FMX Network Production. You cast me, I'll complete me till death do all part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp Mech Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmex.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Did I fail as a manager? What's up, everyone? How about Team USA? Freaking so awesome. Inmix of Nations was awesome this weekend. We're going to talk about everything they had to talk about on the Pulp Mix show Monday night. But before we get into it, I got to introduce a couple guests. They were both in studio for show 519. First up, brought to you by Guts Racing, Richard Taylor. What's up, Richard? Yes, sir. What's up, Dark Side? Not or much. Jamie? Either one, man. I'll answer to either one. <laughs> Next <laughs> I up. I know you as Dark Side. I got to know you originally as the OG Dark Side, so you'll probably always be Dark Side to me. It works for me, man. I had lots of Dark Sides, Jamie, Vital Jamie, all weekend long. Whatever. As long as, uh, yeah, I'll answer to any of those. But next <laughs> up, brought to you by Seal Savers. Also in studio last week, RJ Wageman. What's up, RJ? What's going on, Dark Side? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm excited about getting this thing going. Uh, I'm also ready to get it done because I'm tired. Sorry, Steve, but uh, it's been a long week, been a long day. I'm sure you guys have been you've been out riding, RJ. What have you been doing today? Yeah, uh, no riding today, but I was at Glen Helen yesterday, and I will be at Glen Helen again tomorrow. So I am getting some seat time in, and uh, I'll be ready to go for whatever is next. I'll be ready. Okay, Richard, what about you? You've been riding? Uh, I've been riding a little bit, uh, just me and RJ breaking in those Suzuki's, yeah. uh, like we talked about on the show. Uh, that's about over with now, and then just trying to kind of figure out what I'm doing for Supercross, but I will be at Supercross on a motorcycle. So. I like it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing to be on for Supercross. All right, well, we're going to talk about Show 520 with Jason Wygant and Jason Thomas in studio, and on the phone, it was Chase Sexton, Eli Tomac, Paul Parabinos, Jeremy Malott, Sam Jones, and Ryan the Noof. Lockhart. First up, uh, RJ, what were your thoughts on 520? Uh, I love the dynamic between Weege and JT and Steve. I love those guys being in the studio. What were your thoughts? I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, you know, Weege is the voice of motocross, so it's always great to hear him break down um, certain things in certain situations. Gotta love Jason Thomas. I feel like he was born to uh you know call the sport as well and he came around here lately so always good to have those guys in studio obviously mathis does a great job so it's great to hear their weekend stories and all that but man how about that eli tomac phone call it's just great to hear him he's so happy and even sexton as well but i just loved hearing eli on the phone and seeing all those videos from motocross the nations i wish i was there oh it was such a cool experience and you're right that was one of the best eli tomax we've ever heard on a call richard what were your thoughts on 520 dude 
I was so stoked to be on the show with RJ and Robbie last week, and I loved all our guests, and no disrespect to anyone, but I was so jealous of that lineup last night. How sick were those guests, having like Eli Tomac, Chase Sexton, and all those other guys. Like That would have been an awesome one to be in studio with, and I'm jealous of those guys. Uh, it was really fun to listen to, and uh, I'm excited to break it down. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, the the guys the, uh, in studio, they were so excited to get to Team USA winning motocross the nations that Steve didn't even introduce marks or talent until a four hour and twenty two mark. So that was somewhat comical, kind of a janky show, guys. I mean, I don't know how you don't introduce your star player, Dune Goon Travis Marks, but Steve just dropped the ball. So I got to give him a little bit of shit for that. Uh, but anyway, you guys were in studio last week. Before we get into 520, Richard, really, how was it being in studio for five-plus hours? Uh, it was awesome. I definitely would uh, learn some things that I might change next if I ever get to go on again. Okay. I would have a coffee or an energy drink or some sort of <laughs> uh, energy beverage with me at when the show started because I don't know about you, RJ, but I was kind of like, at points during the show, like you're sitting there for so long, it's late. I was up since four in the morning that morning because we had to drive out there. Like I was kind of getting a little drowsy at times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I would do that, but it was really cool. Like, you know, you see the studio all over the place, you see it on Instagram and, and uh, just being there in real life, checking it all out, getting to ask Steve about all the different stuff inside. Uh, it was a really, really cool experience. And when the show was starting, I was kind of like, I was nervous. Like, I think we were all a little nervous, but you know, as you get more into it and just kind of get into the flow of the show, it, you know, it's like motocross. Once the gate drops, you kind of just get into a flow. Absolutely. RJ, same. What's up? Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't think I could say it any better than Richard just did. Um, what an, what a phenomenal experience and, uh, just overall to do the whole day program and hang out with Mathis, go on a mountain bike ride and all that fun stuff. It was cool. And yeah, I mean, what can you say about that studio? I think it's kind of every moto guy's dream to, to relive so many cool memories. Um, I will say after getting my ass absolutely kicked on that mountain bike ride, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little tired once we hit that three and a half, four hour mark. Oh yeah. Overall being in the studio, uh, time flies and it's so cool when you talk moto, it's like you could talk moto for hours on end, but yeah, just a crazy cool experience. Um, we had a lot of fun and, the only thing maybe I would change next time is just to speak up a little more and just kind of really try to, you know, make myself part of every conversation. But uh, I was told I maybe needed a twisted T next time I go in to loosen up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So if there's an opportunity, maybe that will be the uh, the solution. I don't know. But there you go. It was honestly, it was super fun. He usually has twisted T's and Red Bulls in the and water in the cooler there. So yeah, next time we're gonna I'm gonna ask you some more questions as we go about the behind the scenes, the mountain bike ride, a few other little things, but. Let's get started with the MXON talk. First of all, RJ, were you concerned Sunday morning with the weather when you kind of woke up, or were you still pretty confident because of the qualifying on Saturday? I was not concerned, honestly, the whole time. I feel like since, you know, halfway through outdoors, besides us not knowing who was going to go on a 250, I've been pretty dang confident. I just feel like no matter what we were going to stand on the podium. And I even said it when I was in studio, I just had a, just a great feeling. Like I thought we were, I just thought and kind of almost knew like we are going to win at yeah. Redbud, rain or shine. 
Um, I'm so stoked that we can, in a sense, put this behind us and put it behind us with Team USA standing on top. I mean, we as motocross, you know, the on the U.S. side, we needed it so bad. And it's just so cool to see those guys perform so well. Justin Cooper wrote amazing, as we all know. Um, I did think that Chase and Eli and Moto3, I really did. I saw them being top three, top four, and maybe even coming across that finish line one, two. I was kind of, in a way, bummed. But also, I mean, who cares? They won the dang thing. It was just rad. So super fun to watch. And yeah, I didn't have a doubt them one bit. They can ride. All right, Richard, any doubts at all? Any concerns with the weather? Honestly, <laughs> when I woke up, uh, so Saturday, we'll start Saturday. After Saturday, I was like, oh, we got this, like, easily. Like, we pretty much, you know, dominated qualifying, or not, at least as a team. Uh, going into Sunday, I was I was all on board, like, we got this. Sunday morning, I woke up, I checked Instagram, I saw pictures of the track, like, at the B final. I saw how muddy it was. It gave me... <laughs> It gave me like a, uh, as if I was racing. Yeah. Like I got kind of like a nervous, like a oh, that's kind of muddy, you know. Like I, I almost got like a, a feeling in my stomach where I almost got a little nervous for the team. Um, and listening to the show too, Eli and Chase, I'm pretty sure they both said that they weren't like they were both pretty nervous, especially when it rained. They weren't like oh we totally got this. I'm pretty sure both of them said they weren't feeling amazing about it. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I wasn't really sure. But then once I saw Eli still, you know, pull through that first moto, I was like, okay, we're good. We're, we're good. Yeah. 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 But we, in the morning I was a little iffy, honestly. So were we leaving the Airbnb? We we're like, oh shit. And we went to Walmart to get mud boots and Tim Ritchie was in there and he was barely speaking. We we're like, oh shit. Even Tim's down. We were so bummed going to the track and then, yeah, they just, they, the boys lit it up. Let's listen to uh, what the guys in studio had to say about the MX of Nations experience. Yeah, it's happening. We did it. We did. We did. We did. We did. We did it. We contributed a lot to the team. We're a big part of it. This is the way you want to do it. You want to do absolutely none of the work, none of the effort, but then be there for the celebration. It was great to see USA get it done on home soil. A complete reversal of the last time this race was at Redbud. Similar weather, similar concerns, similar worries. Uh, coming into Sunday, but the three guys, I mean, they rose to the occasion. I mean, look, look the results didn't change much because of the crappy track and the crappy weather. Uh, France, Australia, USA went at it. USA were the best guys on Saturday. USA were the best guys in the mud and the rain. All three guys got good starts. They, 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 they rode great. And something, frankly, we haven't seen from the three USA guys for a number of years. Everything is that we had the best team we've had in a very long time. You could argue that the other teams were a little bit more vulnerable that they've been in a long time. Like you could, yeah. you could find, you know, cracks in the armor a little yep. bit it's coming apart. And it's just weather. <laughs> it's, it's coming just, apart. It's it apart. It's it is. I really apart. felt like it was. Well, I agree. I, I, at one point reminded myself several hours. Yeah. After waking up, getting to the track, walking around like, Hey, wait, they have not lost yet. They I could know. actually, I had to remind myself. Yeah. They actually could win. I'd almost convinced uh, myself ruined again. Uh, leaving Saturday, as I said, Australia, uh, France, really good chances, but Team USA were the odds-on favorite. They rode great. Yep. And then when I saw the track, I'm like, okay, well, what it does to me, it brings it down to five countries now can win instead of, say, three. Team USA came off the track in the warm-up going, we uh, can do this. I, we can ride the mud. 
So, Richard, the one of the things in the audio that kind of stood out to me Monday night was where Steve said, this is something that we haven't seen in years from our team. And I think what he was saying was like, the boys seemed more driven. Like, they were not going to lose. There was just, they seemed to have a different fire than other years in the past. That's kind of what I took away from it. What did you think of that comment? Yeah, I would agree with that, especially you know, with this new Eli Tomac attitude, I feel like it's really easy to, to see this year. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish coming into this weekend. So, you know, this was his, you know, it's not just another, uh, we got to go do this race and then get back to Supercross. Like he's, you know, he's trying to put the finishing touches on his career. And this race is like the only thing he hasn't done. So that's totally understandable that, you know, his, his motivations are going to be a lot higher uh, this time. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. So I think Chase too, like I, I think their motivation was a lot higher than in years past. I almost feel like in years past it's more of a chore. And this time they're yes. all were pumped there. Even Justin Cooper, like he was fighting to be on the team. So, you know, he wanted it. Absolutely. That's a good point. And RJ, even those guys were talking about the weather, right? JT and Weege were like, yeah, we were just kind of down. Weege had to remind himself that it, it's not over. And Steve was kind of more neutral. He's like, hey, man, this actually, if anything, it equalizes a little bit. It's not over, but it, it kind of equalized, brought some of the other teams on a more level playing field. And I had a lot of guys that day, day of the race, tell me the same thing. that they Like the French guys said, yeah, it kind of equalizes. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they were all on board with us with the weather. I mean, it's kind of a general consensus yeah i mean you could totally look at it that way i mean they always say mud is the greatest equalizer so and it did make the track very very start dependent i mean you watched and i don't want to say his name wrong but guadagnini right on the gas gas yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yes yeah so you watch like moto two and it took chase so long to you know get around him he finally did get around him and then you know guadagnini got him back and then you look at moto three and it's like i think uh guadagnini he ended up going down but he didn't get the start he got and he was you know way back so that the mud definitely can change things in a hurry and if we had you know potential first turn incident or something like that it, it could be a lot harder to get towards the front and all that kind of stuff. But I think touching on what you guys have already touched on, the motivation was there. Justin Cooper really wanted to prove to USA and I think just to the world that he was a bad dude on a 250 and that everybody made the right decision for him to be there. So yep, yep. it was darn fun to watch, but <laughs> I just uh, will stick to my guns. I just didn't have any doubts. So stoked the boys uh, pulled it off. Yeah, and Steve, uh, RJ, Steve asked everybody, like, who was the star of the weekend? I think it was Steve that asked that question. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a tweet or something later. But, uh, you know, they, they kind of mentioned Renault, Dylan Ferrandez. Of course, uh, Jet was really surprising on the 450, at least to me. Or J- Justin Cooper, just the, how dominant he was in that class, in the MX2 class. For you, who was the star of the weekend? It is so hard not yeah. to say that jet lawrence is the star of the weekend we i briefly mentioned it um while we were in studio richard and i we were out at Glen helen and it was the tuesday after paula jet and hunter were both there jet was of course riding the 450 and i mean 
I don't know how to really put this into words besides it was just, it was picture perfect. It was beautiful watching him ride around Glen Helen. He does things so much different where I think I can even speak on Richard's behalf as well. We watch him go through some corners, standing up, using his legs, his body positioning, throttle control. I mean, you're like, wow, it's impressive. So to see him, you know, from five feet away on a regular practice day at Glen Helen, just riding exceptionally well. And then obviously putting in work on a 450, winning almost two motos. I mean, it's hard not to go with uh, Jet Lawrence and kind of just gives us a little bit of a uh, sight into the future. So Jet's pretty rad. I'll give that to you. I'm going to give that to you, but you haven't seen everything yet. Come out to the Vet Nationals. Watch the plus 45 class. You'll see some skill. I cannot wait. I want to go just to see this breakdown because Richard and I might know what you don't know that Steve's bringing to the table. Well, that's interesting. So it's going to be fun. Steve and I were literally just texting a little while ago. He was asking if I was driving out there and I'm not, I'm flying. He's like, what, you're going to ride a strange bike? I said, well, I'm going to ride another 350, but I'm going to bring my suspension. And I said, aren't you riding a strange bike? And he said, no. So I don't know. I asked Yamaha if he was getting a 23 Yamaha 450, and I was told no. So I don't know what this big secret is, and I'm a little upset that you guys know and haven't told me. But let's let's switch over. Richard, let's give you a chance. to. Who was your star of the weekend? Um, It's tough because part of me wants to say Ferrandis. That's my dude, pick. What the heck? Like, where was he? Like in the outdoors, like that was like champion last year for Francis. Yep. Just showed up, just decided to show up again. Like he was shredding like so fast. And, uh, but also to reiterate what RJ was saying, like, like you said in studio last week, me and him both looked at each other. Steve was like, I don't think, I don't know if Jet's going to be able to, you know, he's new to the 450. It might, it might take him a minute to go that pace. And me and RJ looked at each other like, I don't know, dude. We were at Glen Helen <laughs> the other day. And we were out in between motos, ro- riding out to the infield of the track, just watching Jet and copying him and literally trying to learn from him. Like, like no joke. And we kind of called it a little bit. Like, he was that good. So, uh, I mean, yeah. Jet, Jet was, you know, the standout. He executed better than Ferrandis. Jet got that overall, um, the overall classification win or yeah, whatever it was. That's fair. So I, I'll, I'll say Jet. Dylan, I was very impressed by Dylan, as you said, and you know, I talked to him post-race. And, yeah, he's just got that mentality. He's so angry when he doesn't win. It's just – it's he was he was awesome, but so was Jet. So I think Jet's a fair pick. Uh, let's go back to Justin Cooper. We kind of talked about it. He, he – the chip on his shoulder was brought up. Let's listen to what they said. So they only won one out of the three classes overall, uh, and, that, and that was uh, Justin Cooper. And we, you know, all of us say for a long time, the MX2 guy is where this race is made or, or broken at so many times. And Justin Cooper's fourth in this, his second moto. The next MX2 guy, ninth. That fourth against the 450s in the mud was huge. Huge. Yeah, and I'll show you how that worked out mathematically. The French team didn't have a disastrous moto. They were okay. But when they started the third moto 1-2, they were going 1-2. It still wasn't enough right. to get them yeah. get back them to two in points, the right. right? And I think Justin Cooper had a chip on his shoulder. I don't think they had this um, 
feeling like everybody's doubting me. I need to have something to prove and, and show everyone. Justin Cooper absolutely had that. Everybody was like, whether you liked Barsha at the beginning or Christian Craig or Cooper, everybody had different thoughts at different times because the yeah, results but, were... What? No one was like, Justin Cooper's a terrible choice. No one, I, I no didn't one say thought that. No, I know, but for him to have a chip on his shoulder, like literally, no one th- thought he was. If you thought he was a terrible choice, you you didn't really. Okay, you're okay, not really educated. okay. But I do feel like the thing for me with Cooper was he is so feast or famine in the starts. He is a better starter, I believe, than anyone in the two fifty class. He, I don't think there's any way he could argue it. Yes, but if he does not get those starts, that neutralizes his greatest strength. So I'm like. If you could tell me for sure that he's going to nail one of these starts, <laughs> yeah. sign you're me all in, right? Uh, yes, yeah. and I was, but it was an if, and right. damn it all, he did it. Richard, what I want to talk about in that first of all, Weege's point about the starts was fantastic. He's very, very, very correct, very uh, um, accurate about his starts. When he gets them, he's really good. If he doesn't, he struggles. But to come through the pack, but Steve really has an issue with this chip on the shoulder thing, and he said. No one said he's a terrible choice, and he's wrong. Maybe no one in the industry openly said it, but a lot of fans said it. A lot of keyboard warriors said it, and Justin heard that. So he did have a chip on his shoulder, and I think it was kind of a good thing because he rode his ever-loving ass off to prove everybody wrong, and I, I, I think Steve's wrong. I think it, uh, he did have a chip on his shoulder, and I think it was a big reason that we were so successful. Yeah, I... I agree that the chip on the shoulder was not a bad thing because for sure, like you just said, like he, he wanted to show everyone. And I feel like he kind of, you know, once he did show everybody by ripping this weekend, you know, he probably feels really good about it. And, uh, but I don't know. I didn't hear anybody say it was a terrible choice. And like you said, the keyboard warriors might, but if you say he's a terrible choice, like that's kind of just being uneducated because who's like, what? arguably what other American 250 riders at the moment are better than him. Maybe what, uh, maybe Hampshire is like around, like, I don't, I wouldn't, I mean like what one or two guys are even arguable to be as good as him right now. Yeah, so, absolutely. Not hard to say like terrible choice. I mean, you can have questionable choice, like, like, but really like when you really think about it, like I think everyone kind of wanted to see, Christian or Barsha on a 250 just because that's something different but when you really need to make the decision like who's really going to be better on a 250 and I always kind of found myself going back to Justin Cooper is probably the best pick even though it'd be cool to see Barsha or really cool to see a 450 guy drop down like I wanted to see that but when you think about it common sense wise I think Justin Cooper was probably you know the common sense best pick. Yeah, uh, RJ. Again, though, there were those. I know the uneducated, the disability island folk were the ones <laughs> saying that he, you know, it was absolutely the worst pick or whatever. There were some people. I saw those comments, but like I said, Justin heard some of those. He also heard the Steve Mathis is saying, "I feel like Christian would be a better pick," and although that's Steve has the right to that opinion, and he wasn't, in my opinion, like super negative towards Justin. All those things affected Justin. When you, as a human, when you hear a bunch of people very openly saying you're probably not the best pick, you you build the you want to prove them wrong, right? That's you still get a chip on your shoulder. They didn't have to say he was a terrible pick. Just saying somebody else was a better pick is enough in a in a 
a competitor's eyes, a guy like Justin, even you two, if somebody says somebody's better, you're a competitor. You want to prove them wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, Cooper would hear that, for example, kind of like you already touched on, like Mathis would say, hey, like we want, I, I'm going for Craig or I'm going for Barsha or I'm going just for anybody on a 450. We've never done it. Let's, you know, you see other countries doing it all the time. They drop their 450 guys down onto a 250. So, yeah, I think that does put a lot of, you know, I wouldn't know if it was stress or pressure, but it, it does. It, it could put that sort of speak, like you said, chip on your shoulder. But, I mean, he handled it in the way you want to handle it, which is proving everyone wrong. So I don't think anybody really, you know, meant that in a bad way or, you know, any anything like that. But that's just kind of how it was probably taken on his end. But he did a darn good job to prove everybody wrong, and that was cool. So I'm sure he's pumped. And from all those videos that I'm seeing – he was stoked. Yeah, <laughs> they were all pretty excited post, post-race. post You guys know all about Michelin Motorcycle Tires, and I'm here to tell you that Michelin Bicycle Tires, which is a proud sponsor of the wrap-up show, some of the best bicycle tires on the planet. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium-finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin Bicycle Tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink, and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, as well as myself in training for Vet Worlds. Follow at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram and check out bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products, such as the Wild Enduro, the E-Wild, the new BMX 20-inch Pilot tires, or any of the road models. Let's talk about, well, actually, before we talk about Chase Sexton, you guys were asked the question last week, what piece of memorabilia was you still, if you could? The J- James Stewart helmet came up. Pastrana's chest protector came up. I forget a couple others. But aside from those, the ones that you actually mentioned on air, uh, RJ, what was like maybe one of the cooler things that you got a backstory on? Was there anything that really stood out inside in the studio? Uh, I mean, I, I I made a joke saying that uh, I wanted the Pulp MX Fantasy Trophy because I, you know, want to be better at that game, but. um I mean, of course, you look up as, you know, growing up, I obviously had a bunch of guys that were winning at the time, you know, Travis Pastrana, Carmichael, Reed. I mean, you see all those jerseys where you're like, wow, that's pretty freaking cool. So anything like that to hang up in our trophy room here at home would be super cool. Um, But it is so hard not to... uh, to really look at that JS seven helmet. I picked it up after the show. I'm looking yeah. at it, looked at the dog tags. Cause it was the San Diego helmet on the yep. back. I'm like, wow, this thing's badass. So uh, that that's every man's dream. I mean, that room is, is so cool. And I would say it'd be super hard to pick one thing. I just want to take it all. There you go. Yeah. How about you, uh, Richard, anything just stand out? Yeah, I mean, those X-Brand goggles sitting on the table with those R-Jerky next to it. I mean, <laughs> I really take those home. I'm short on goggles Yeah, right yeah, now. sure. So. <laughs> hey, I know a guy. I could probably send you a pair. <laughs> yeah, because you could send me great. I said this on the show. My dad only gives me like 35% off, so I need to. <laughs> yeah, you said, pairs would be really good. you said hook it, which is probably the, one of the worst ways to go about getting X-Brand. <laughs> <laughs> well, but... Seriously, though, uh, we actually did get a little story out of Steve on one of the things that was there. There was a, 
a handwritten contract from Mike Genova and Moto Concept to yes. Steve on his wall. And I was like, what is that? And it was written in pen, like on a napkin. And it basically was, a, I guess, Steve told us about how back when, you know, everyone's cool now, but back before they were all cool, I guess Steve wanted to do a story on Moto Concepts about them racing the Canadian Nationals instead of the American Nationals. So he came over to them at some race and he was going to interview everybody and stuff. And I, I don't, I, I, it might've been Tony or, or Mike. I'm not sure. One of those two, they wrote that contract and he had to sign it before he could, you know, do any of these interviews yeah. or make this story. Like basically they, they had to approve everything he said and proofread everything and all this stuff. And he never signed it. Didn't do the story, grabbed the napkin away from him before he could grab it back and left and then framed it. Uh, it's hilarious. I've heard that one. That's yeah, that's good stuff. Okay, let's move back to the show for a minute. Chase Sexton, the guy come he came on, talked about how relieved he was after this. RJ, to you, how did Chase sound? Did he just, he almost sounded like exhausted? I can imagine so. Yeah. I mean, the post race party probably did him dirty, <laughs> but um, hey, no, I was there. I'm I'm sure that race i mean he had to just take the biggest um you know sigh of relief as soon as he crossed that finish line because like he even said it himself saturday you know he was half a lap away from winning that qualifying race and then he just makes the smallest little mistake you know and it still gets second but you gotta imagine every single person especially in you know your field of work is Sexton just blew a win with half yeah. a lap to go. And oh, it's yeah. just a qualifying race. Imagine if he does this tomorrow. Look at what he did in Colorado, you know. Look at what he did in uh, Minnesota earlier this year at a Supercross. Like, he's done this before. Is he going to do it again? So I can only imagine him going to bed Saturday night was pretty tough. Yeah, So it's funny. He just sounded just like stoked. Like, yeah. we did it, you know, breath of fresh air. So I have video. From that the after party stuff from the 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 pit the uh, Alpine Star area I was over there so I got to witness all of it uh, I'm not gonna post that video but I'll send it to you guys oh, but I, I need to see yeah it. I'll send I'll send you I'll send you what I have um damn I lost my train of thought what I was about to say but uh, anyway let's listen to a little bit of the, the audio and then maybe I'll remember what I was gonna say uh, you admitted to me that the nerves were pretty high for you what's it like today. The day after uh, you you broke the winless streak and brought it home, and like, what's your, just what's the feeling the day after for you? I guess uh, the biggest thing for me is just relief. Um, I'm glad that it's it's over, but glad we obviously won because it was a uh, it was a long build up. People were talking about it. I feel like for <laughs> I don't know since the Red Bull got got announced, and I didn't want it to have a repeat of 2018. And then with the rain <clears throat> adds on to that, there's just a lot of pressure and that. The first moto, I was very, very tight. Um, was able to get through that one, and then it did. Really, it, the nerves didn't really hit me until Sunday morning. And if you mess up, it's it's uh, it's not just about you; it's about the countries. I mean, maybe the team just needed Chase Sexton. Maybe that was it. We were, we were just waiting for Chase Sexton to be on the team. He's one and zero. One and zero. If this was me racing for an outdoor win or anything else, it would have been a different story. But even third moto, I wanted to go after. Renault, I felt like I was faster, but at the at the same time, I'm like to make a pass and not kind of ride on the edge is probably not likely. So I just honestly was just kind of sitting back and being patient because, like like I said, it's it's 
it's one thing if I make a mistake and I can, and it's just for me, but when I make a mistake and the whole country's on your back, it's, it's a different story. So you're going to have to, I had to not, I guess, buy my ego a little bit, but I just had to be big bigger picture mm-hmm. yesterday. I didn't really feel like I rode good in the first moto, but second moto, I felt like I had speed to win, the speed to win the moto, and I didn't obviously go after it. So if it would have came to me easier, because I didn't want to do anything stupid like I did on Saturday. Uh, Richard, I'm going to go to you first, but I do remember what I was going to say. After we were talking about Chase's crash on Saturday, and yeah, I was like, oh my God, are you, you, you kidding me? We, we cannot do this. And there were people in the, coming into the media tent that had started walking back before the moto was over, and they were like, wait, what? Dil- How'd Dylan win? They, they didn't even know. It was like they were just so mind-blowing that he could have lost that. So I'm sure that was in his head. But from that audio... Some things that I found really interesting was just how he was talking about having the whole country on his back. Like, that's a lot to think about. But then also having to dial it back, right? Because you guys are all geared to go, go, go. We got to win. We got to pass the guy in front of us. But to actually say, oh, I don't have to pass this guy. I got to do it. It's a team race. I got to ride smart. We're in a good position. That's got to be kind of difficult to shift your mentality for one race and something, do something you're not used to doing while having the, you know, the whole country on your back, basically. <clears throat> Richard. Yeah. Was that, was that for me? Dark? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was something that really stood out to me in the, uh, in his interview. And uh, at the same time, like I, I'm so glad he was smart for America and I'm so glad that we were able to pull off this win finally. But part of me really wanted to see this outdoor national chase section against you know guys like like jet when jet got by him or when renault was in front of him like i want to see the i wanted to see how he if he could blow by those guys like he was doing all year long um but you know being smart and getting the win was the big picture so i'm glad that he was you know able to think about that and not do one of the the things that he's been known to do which is do something stupid late and throw it away so you know, he rode smart, he did the right thing and got us the win. Um, but part of me really, like, when I saw him riding like that, part of me kind of knew what he was doing, and I was like, oh, I want to see him yeah, go all out. Sure, speed, sure. You know? uh, yeah, that's kind of that. Yeah, yeah. RJ, one of the things he brought up, was, or he got brought up, was that I guess Dylan Ferrandis apparently thought that he might have caused chase to crash because of pressure now i don't know if that came from a podium interview i don't know where they i didn't catch where they got that idea from uh but did you first of all did you was that something that dylan said on the podium uh i'm not sure where that came from but i know they talked about it last night yeah yeah or monday night yeah that's why i was wondering where they got that from i guess i missed that but yeah no way right i mean no no way chase chase just he explained how it went down but i guess dylan probably needs any little motivation he can get yeah, I think it was also a little bit of like reverse psychology where Dylan was like, "Hey, I was I was coming for you, you right. know, like just to, you know, why not? It's it's Moto's a mental game and if you could put that in somebody's head and hey, now you got to go get a good night's rest and you got, "Oh, I was pressuring you and that's why you tipped over and and blew it." Like I could see Dylan saying that. It uh that mental side goes a long way, but I do not think that is why Chase crashed. No. Um I don't think he was worried about Ferrandis, but he was on Chase's side, what, whatever he does, because obviously he's he's done that at least we can now count for sure certain three times on the last lap. 
that he's blowing a win. Um, he, he definitely, for his own career, he really needs to figure that out because he'd have a heck of a lot more wins um, in, you know, in the books. So yep. he's got to figure that out. But I, I don't think that that was a uh, Ferrandis pressuring crash. No. And the team aspect, we talked about the team aspect a bunch. Steve brought up something that man, it'd be cool to be a fly on the wall for, and that was Eli and Chase having dinner and like an hour-long conversation. Yeah, Weeds Chase was telling me after the race, him and Tillock had like an hour-long discussion at yeah. dinner. Just, of like just, life. Yeah, life stuff, yeah. not even. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. It was crazy. Eli and I, I, we actually we started talking about mountain biking and um, just random stuff. And him and I actually went on a mountain bike ride when I was, I was probably 15. I was on Geico, and I went with him and um, his dad, Johnny T. And I... Uh, did they crush actually, you? Did Johnny T just work you into the ground? Yeah, actually, Eli is the one that smoked us. I was I was young, and we're supposed to go on like a pretty easy, pretty easy ride. And Eli kind of just motored away from us. So he knew he knew twenty twenty two was coming. Yeah. He had to send a message early. Yeah. <laughs> we we got up halfway up the hill, and it's called Indian Truck Trail. It's a fire fire oh, yeah. climb. Yep, we know that. Um, we got halfway up, and we you see these um, uh, road workers working on the fire road. And they they tell us like yeah we just saw a mountain lion cross through here like twenty minutes or what is it ten minutes ago fifteen minutes ago but he, don't worry he looked like he was uh, he didn't look hungry so you guys should be fine so I sat in between John my old trainer John Westling and John Tomac and I was so scared going up that but that's my first memory or first right. memory memory with Eli but we talked about I got we sat there for an hour and fifteen minutes talking about random stuff which yeah. was. What's cool after the season we went through? At the top of the hill, he lies there just petting the mountain lion. Just just <laughs> yeah, that's scary. <laughs> Scared in oblivion. First of all, I don't know how you decide that a mountain lion doesn't look hungry. Uh, that's interesting. And Weege's response at the end was great. But RJ, like, just think about what that conversation would be like to just kind of sit back and listen to the two of these guys. One of the greats of all time, a guy that maybe is, you know, his trajectory is taking him in that same direction. What a cool conversation to to listen to. Totally. And the things that Chase can just learn from somebody like Eli Tomac, I could only imagine, you know, the questions would be endless and the things you could learn could just be off the charts and go such a long way for him. So I could only imagine sitting there listening. I could only imagine the questions that would go through my head and uh, what a moment. And that's, pretty cool about the motocross and nations is it kind of brings everybody together and everybody's on the same team. Yes. And then with Eli kind of on his way out and like you said, chase on his way up. I mean, what a time for, uh, for Sexton to just, you know, sit back and learn. Absolutely. It was really, I just thought that was really cool to hear about that. And Richard, what do you think this does for their relationship? Let's just go into 23. They're going to race against each other, but now they have a bond. They've been through something very unique. Do you do you think it has any effect on the racing next year? Um, the racing against those two, honestly, no. I I think on the track they're still they want to win more than anything. Uh, so I don't see them like you know, not like they're dirty anyways. They race clean all year long. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna. Um, I think with Eli going out of the outdoors, it looks like. And Chase, like you just said, on the way in, uh, and like RJ said, like what a time to learn. Like Eli's not really going to be holding anything back. Um, 
you know, he's not, he doesn't have to race chase outdoors anymore. It doesn't sound like, so this is good. If you're ever going to learn from your biggest competitor, it's going to be after they're probably done racing you in the outdoor series at least. So that is a great time and great opportunity for chase to really, you know, learn something Mm -hmm. or two from one of the best outdoor motocross guys of all time. Agreed. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lamson and Jeremy McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place, so check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam, Andy Gregg was at MXON hanging out. Pretty cool to see him. Uh, let's talk about you two again. Last week, you guys went on the mountain bike ride. Uh, let's go to you first, RJ. The drive to the mountain bike trails, I, I don't know if you went to the same place I went to. It's probably a 20-minute drive. Like, What did you guys talk about? What was some of the conversation going on? Well, we actually – so just Richard, Robbie, and I drove up, and then we got to Steve's house, and um, – we drove separate. We didn't drive together to the mountain bike okay. ride. But as we were approaching this beautiful mountain bike trail, I just could only imagine what the trail was going to look like. Yeah. So we were talking about that a lot between the, donkey? the three of us. <laughs> the donkeys? Well, we yeah, we were just, I mean, the terrain and yeah. the rock. And we're like, where we parked at his house. And we're like, where are we going to mountain bike ride? And we were all looking at the mountains kind of high you know, straight ahead. And we're like, oh, I guess maybe we'll go that direction, you know? <laughs> so did you guys leave from the house? Yeah, we oh. drove like, tw- we drove 20 minutes or so. Oh, okay, we okay, yeah. By some bike shop. I don't know. I think it's one of his normal rides. I don't remember all the trail names because yeah, yeah. Uh, I was head down, <laughs> shifting up, down, pedaling as hard as I could. And if I had my head down for too long, I was going to end up go the wrong direction because I just could barely keep those guys in sight to uh, know I needed to turn left and right. Yeah, you should have rode the e-bike, bro. That was a, that was a mistake. <laughs> I know. Tell uh, me about it. Richard, how about you? <laughs> Any conversations had at the house while eating? I mean, we're, we're, I want to get a little behind the scenes because, you know, that's what Steve wants, right? He wanted me to have you guys on to hear some of that stuff. So tell me some tales that happened while you guys were hanging out. Yeah, I mean... We walked in the house, and, you know, the first thing anybody would say going into Steve's house, you acknowledge how tall the ceilings are and how big the place is, how nice it is. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, Steve was just kind of showing us around and uh, kind of told us some – we were just checking out Vegas beforehand, talking about Vegas and just checking out some potential uh, – you know, how cool would it be to race in that um, – that stadium in Vegas, the new one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but you know, we've just talked to Steve about it. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was cool. And then we got to go to out to, um, on the drive out there. I, we, this has nothing to do with Steve, but we were guessing how far away the mountains would be. And RJ was like, I don't know, 15, 20 miles. And amazingly he was spot on. Cause that's exactly where we went, uh, unloaded the bikes. And as soon as we hit the mountain bike trail, honestly, I, you said you've done it a handful of times, right? Dark side. Uh, like, I went once, once. Yeah. It, it, I don't know if you went to the same place as us. You probably did, but it was, it basically pedaling on loose gravel up rocks and hills. Yes. And, 
Yes. So yeah, like you can imagine when we're me and Robbie on the e-bike with Steve, we're like, you know, you give it a little crank, so the e-bike kicks in, it's throwing rocks out, roots <laughs> and stuff, this loose uphill trail. Yeah. Imagine not with pedal assist. RJ was had to have been dying back yeah. there. Every little we go up, every little enduro cross rock jump up climb little thing me and robbie would look at each other and just think about how much this would probably <laughs> suck for uh and yeah we were right because we'd look back and rj wouldn't even we'd be like laughing and stuff and RJ <laughs> was on the struggle bus so. that's great yeah i i would have on an acoustic bike i would have been doing a lot of walking up those hills so yeah i get it yeah. uh all right eli tomac and all new eli tomac join the show we already kind of talked about what we thought of, you know, how he sounded, how excited he was. Let's just listen to a little of the audio. I know how much this must have meant to you, man, because you, you've been there, rode your balls off, lost the event. This had to have been just a cherry on the top of an amazing year for you. Yeah, I, I got to say, like, winning this thing, it feels – it hits different. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like – it's it's like no, no other race, and it just – it straight up hits different, and – I don't want to sound too arrogant and too cocky, but damn, it feels good to be on top. The crowd is so big there. I mean, it like when they all flood out onto the starting line and you're up on the podium, it's like, I would say it's like three or four times, you know, uh, any other crowd we see. To see you, and, and let's be honest, like you're a pretty intense guy most of the time at the races, which you should be, but to see you be able to have that look of relief and joy on your face, to me, that was... Yeah really cool i had some nerves but i also i was confident you know and i was confident just from our our series our our national series and i i was confident with where our speed was and, and our fitness what was awesome about justin cooper is he basically shot everyone up you know but also that ending that celebration i mean think about it there's honda bikes yeah. under the star yamaha tent you guys are designed to beat each other for that yeah. one three-hour period suddenly everybody's on the same side. There are no adversaries and you're never going to yeah. get that atmosphere at any other race. Nope. You don't get it. You don't get it anywhere else. And it was amazing this week. It's like everyone did flip the switch as to, Hey, we're all in this, we're all in this together. And like, we're going to make this happen. So, um, it, it's a cool feeling. And I, it, it's because we don't ever, we don't ever get that right. You're, you're wanting to go beat the other guys. So yeah. you have to work, work together. It's, 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 it's a cool deal. It's something that, motocross racers don't ever get to feel you know this was such a cool interview monday night on pole i mean a lot of great questions but richard just his his statement this hits different like i don't know what it was about the way he worded that but i was like okay you could just feel how content how happy eli was and i i got to see it i got to see him let loose at the end but it, you could hear it so people that weren't there that didn't get to experience i feel like could kind of vicariously live through him and just the way he talked Monday night. Yeah, absolutely. And even you, him saying it hits different. Like when I heard that, I literally thought what you just said, like, wow, that's like such a chill Eli thing to say, mm -hmm. you know, like, and just to show you how seriously I take being on this wrap up show, I actually wrote down some things as I was listening to talk about. And when he said this hits different. You can just hear hit in his voice. I wrote down how he comes off this as a completely different person. Yeah. Like he's not the same guy as he was when he was on a Kawasaki. Like, and it's just really cool. I mean, even those Instagram videos of him with the American flag wrapped around him, like, like 
yelling, pulling tear off while he's revving the bike. Like that made me laugh. It was yeah. so funny, but it was so pumped. Like that was just not, you, you don't even see that. And even the chiller racers in the paddock aren't, weren't going that crazy. So right. you know, it's just him be so laid back and changed. Here's how I'll describe the way he was acting post race. There's music going. Uh, I want to say there's like some ACDC. There's a bunch of different music going. They're drinking all kinds of alcohol out of the, the Chamberlain cup, out of the boot, out of this Alpine star boot. And he was like a hype man in a hip hop video. Like he's back there bouncing up and down, waving his hands. Come on, Chase. Come on, Justin. Take a drink. No, you got to do more. And he's like bouncing up and down, going from foot to foot. Like he was doing this little jig almost. Like it was, it was like an alien invaded Eli's body. It was fucking awesome. Uh, RJ, one of the other things he talked about again, with the, well, Weege, I think, brought it up, but the, having the Honda under the Star Yamaha tent at the end, hundreds of people, it felt like, under the tent, just screaming, the bikes, you know, revving the shit out of it. Eli was like on the left side of his bike, leaning over his bike, revving chases or the honda they brought the stock honda whatever one they brought back and just it was nuts dude and and he portrayed that very well monday night it, it was just such a cool cool thing yes and to touch back like richard was saying on his cowie days like you would never eli's podium you know interviews everything he did i feel like when he was you know back on the cowie and i don't want to blame it on him being on team Kawasaki, but it was just so serious, so strict. You would never see him. The only time that I ever got to see Eli, I would say out of his comfort zone was when he won monster cup. There was the after party in Vegas. I somehow got my hands on some wristbands and I went and I saw kind of the Eli Tomac of, you know, I guess you would say like a PG version of <laughs> motocross of nations, win. Yeah. but he was out there having a good time. Um, but it is so cool to see him come around and really like step back enjoy the sport i mean he's one of the greats and to just have a personality and like we can almost relate with him now or at least feel like yeah, we can you know human. really hear what he's saying it is like so cool um and yeah it's hard for me not to bring up the whole after party and continue <laughs> to talk about that just because like it's like everybody was alive you know we all grow up as dirt bike racers and like the whole party scene, like it's just non-existent to us on Friday night. We're traveling to these dirt bike races while kids in high school are going to football games and, and seeing that side. I, I never even knew that existed yeah, until I think yeah. I turned 23 years old. So right, it's just crazy. But yeah, I feel like Tomac, my, my buddy said it best. He said that Tomac's that dad that, you know, wants to party with the kids and he's just trying to relive some memories from the past. <laughs> so it's pretty freaking funny to see his head bobbing around. And it's just like, dude, no, there's not, I don't really know too many motocross racers that can dance and he's definitely not one. Of them. Right. True. True. <laughs> now, he also brought up the, the chill or the feeling of the crowd when they, they came across the track at the end. And dude, that, that did give me chills when they came across and then the national anthem, I'm going to try to play something off my phone that I recorded while I was there. I don't know how this is going to sound, so it may get cut out.
the guys couldn't hear it the way I was playing it, so I added it in, so there's no reaction to that. But basically, it was the, the crowd singing the national anthem. I mean, I don't know how many. There's, I think they reported almost 50,000 people there at the, po- at the podium. Obviously, not everybody was there, but it was cool just to hear thousands of people. Like It literally brought a tear to my eye when they were singing the national anthem. It, was, it choked me up a little bit. Just one of the coolest experiences ever. Um, speaking, uh, continuing with Eli, they brought up the hurlings, I don't know, challenge or whatever that was on gypsy tales. And he's like, yeah, probably not while we're racing. But then they kind of joked about Richard. Well, if he comes to Paris, he could race there. We could do it in super pole. I don't know. It'd be kind of cool to see hurlings go try to do a supercross. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see hurlings ride supercross. I mean, I know he's, he's obviously one of the best riders in the world, so I'm sure he wouldn't have that big of an issue picking it up if he had some time to get it down uh but that whole hurlings versus tomac thing like i don't even know why people are trying to like again these are the same people that thought justin cooper was a horrible pick or the people <laughs> yeah, who, yeah happened it would be a, like there's I, there's like no way they're ever gonna like what a one-on-one race of just like no way like that's not happening and people are like oh man People are talking about it like, no, dude, no one's talking about <laughs> I think about it's it. actually going to happen. I know it's funny. It'd be <laughs> cool, but yeah. Yeah, or something. There's no way. And it really, it really wouldn't mean anything unless it was over a series. You got to go to multiple tracks. Some guys have good days, bad days. Like one, time, one race means nothing. And Hurlings has been hurt for so long right. at this point. Like they're in such different forms. Like, you know, that's like one of those, like, it's like trying to compare, like, you know, Jordan to LeBron in a one-on-one or something. Like, it's so different, you know? Like, yeah, Jordan's times. the best. Not Jordan. Times, but, like, not in the same zone at the moment. Yeah, you know? I hear you. Uh, Sam Jones, he did the documentary on Tony Hawk, which is, I think it's on HBO. It's fantastic. And he's working on a documentary on Ricky Carmichael. I'm so excited about this, RJ. I, I don't know exactly how it's going to come out obviously but the guy does great work and this could really be something that i don't think it'll grow the sport per se but it's it will be a cool thing to let that some people outside the sport will watch and be like oh that's pretty cool it might it might affect a few people and have them come check it out but overall it's just going to be cool to highlight ricky's career at such a high level of documentary i'm more than thrilled to watch that i cannot wait i was lucky enough last year to go to the goat farm just before star yamaha built it and i tell you what i mean it's been how many years since ricky retired and you drive up to the goat farm and you're like you see the water truck there you see the barn and there's all these old photos of ricky hanging up and magazine covers and shoot there's even trophies sitting in there and like it is wild uh the vibe that place gets it gives you so i can only imagine i'll probably have goosebumps that whole time that uh that movie plays um it's going to be cool i can't wait to hear what people have to say and just you know i'll get that behind the scenes view from like sam was saying from his mom and just other competitors at the time it's going to be great richard anything stand out to you from the sam jones interview yeah so uh i actually watched a little bit of the Tony Hawk one. I had no idea that it was him who made that until I listened to the interview. Um, and yeah, I, like I said, I watched a little of the HBO Tony Hawk one, I don't know, a month ago or so. And what I think is really cool about it is you don't have to 
and at least that Tony Hawk one, you didn't have to like skateboarding or be involved in skateboarding to like really get invested in the story they were telling and like follow along. So if they do the, the Ricky thing like that at all, like I really do think, I don't know if it's on H, it's going to be on HBO or what, what the deal is with where it's going to be playing, but I really think it could get a lot of eyes on it, even yeah. if they're not motivated. Like you get invested in the story. It's not like just like a highlight video or obviously like it, it really sucks you into you know, you want to see what happens and and where this guy's backstory came from and what yep. he goes on to accomplish. So I think it's, it's going to be really good. And I'm yeah. excited to watch it. That's the mark of a great documentarian is if you can get people to watch it that aren't interested in that subject, but they're still invested. And I think that's what Sam does. Uh, he's done a bunch of good documentaries. He's Yeah, he's it's going to be fantastic. Looking forward to it. Also, another thing I'm looking forward to is at the Vet Worlds running my Seal Savers because for 22 years, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the first and the original fork seal protection that protects your forks from dirt, dust, rock, sand, and mud. Seal Savers will always continue to innovate and improve, which is what led to the development of the easy-to-install Zip-On Seal Savers. Not only do they have a full line of products for your motorcycle, Seal Savers has essential products that are crucial for the performance of your side-by-side and your mountain bike. Seal Savers is the ultimate protection, so enter code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Uh, another guy that came on, Richard, uh, that has an event coming up, something coming up, is uh, Jeremy Malott, Hammer, and he's obviously got Red Bull Straight Rhythm coming up on Huntington Beach. I feel like uh, that's right up your guys' alley. I know you're a little north of there, but Huntington Beach isn't too far of a drive. That's going to be a cool event. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm super jealous. I would love to be racing that. That'd be awesome. I know Robbie uh, is racing it, I believe. Uh, just being able to race on Huntington Beach, like what a uh, what a memory to have, you know? Like wouldn't that be awesome just to be on the beach ripping Supercross with people walking by on the boardwalk yeah. watching? Like that's really going to be a cool, memorable event, I feel. So I'm I'm super pumped on that, and I'm really excited, especially with this news that Roxon may be on a YZ, which is, you know, kind of a big shock, you know? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I wish I was going. Uh, and, uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to make it. The, one of the really interesting things, RJ, from that, though, is how, you know, you know these things, these events take a lot of work. But when he puts it into perspective, he's talking about how much dirt they're bringing in. I think it was something like 7,000 feet of fencing, the way he broke it down. Moving the boardwalk, basically, or rerouting the boardwalk, that is a lot of work for one event. And, I mean, they're, they're trying to put on a really special thing. And like he said, they could have done it easier. They could have just went back to Pomona, done it there. But he wants to do something special. Uh, pretty impressive. Uh, Jeremy's a cool dude. Yeah, I agree. I think this is going to be super special. I mean, I think uh, my brother has the opportunity to race it, and he will be racing it. It's going to be just amazing. I mean, especially depending on how they build this with the sunset down and over the water, um, just the fans that you're going to get. I feel like everybody's going to be hyped up. It's been at Pomona, you know, multiple times. It's always so hot. And I feel like, you know, this will bring some new energy to the event. A bunch of people are going to be racing. It's going to be super fun. And yeah, just to hear him break down the cost of putting on a race too, I could only imagine, especially lately, like the price of everything has just gone through the roof. So I'm sure it's tough, but they're going to pull it off. It's going to be cool. I can't wait to watch and uh, I'll be there. Huntington Beach. Nice. Close for us. You guys are lucky. Yeah. He said something like 
basically three times what it was previous years. That's just insanity, the way things have gotten. I want to get your guys' thoughts on Supercross versus World Supercross. This discussion got brought up, and they kind of talked about how, like, Jeremy was on the phone while this was going on, you know, like the future events and who's excited about what, and he was kind of brought up, like, uh, you don't really have to go around the world. You don't have to go global to race Supercross. You can do it in the States where, as opposed to, say, F1 and, and MotoGP. And I really never thought about it like that, RJ. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's not necessarily to do it bigger, you know, and travel the world. Like, you can have this perfect sport almost, our, our sport, right here in the United States, and it doesn't have to be any bigger. World Supercross isn't probably going to be the next best thing or the next bigger thing. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of an interesting conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot to talk about, you know, as far as regarding like world supercross, our super moto cross series that we're going to have. I mean, yeah. there's just so much that we don't know too. Like this, this year's schedule has obviously changed multiple times. Now we have two rounds as far as talking world supercross next year. I've heard multiple rumors about when it's going to start. Now, you know, how many rounds they're going to have. I mean, it's always tough to say, you know, your excitement level as far as when something's new. You're so used to like our, you know, normal Supercross schedule to our normal outdoor schedule. So like, is it going to be a little bit different? Can it work out? Can it be cool? Sure. Um, I'm not necessarily fully against World Supercross. I mean, one, it gives, you know, more riders an opportunity to make money racing a dirt bike, which I think is pretty cool. And also it kind of gives you an excuse if you're lucky enough to be able to travel the world. And I, I support that side of it. I mean, that's pretty cool. You hear stories of like, even if you talk to Richard's dad, you know, big rich, like he'll have so many stories of places that he's been, even my dad, like they got to go to a lot of cool places and they got to make money racing. So like that side of it's kind of cool to me. And I think that's exciting but, um, I mean, we'll see how it plan plays out. It's, it sounds like they still have a lot to figure out. And, yeah. um, you know, the whole competing aspect between promoters and all that kind of stuff. I mean, sure, you got to imagine that's that's kind of waking up all the promoters and, you know, it's going to create a little bit of competition. But is that a bad thing? I don't know. You know, we'll, I don't see. Think we'll so. see how the super motocross thing plays out. You know, Eli even said the other night that he doesn't even think he'll do World Supercross because he won't score points. But I mean, the rules haven't even been released yet. So we'll see how it breaks down. Tuesday. I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot to talk about with that. Press conference Tuesday for that. That'll be coming out Tuesday. Uh, I was kind of bummed, Richard, when Jeremy said, like, he talked about the the innovation of events is probably done. Like, what else can they do? I don't know if that's true, but it does kind of, you do kind of go like, yeah, maybe they've done, you know, there's not there's not really anything brand new coming out anytime soon i kind of yeah that's kind of a bummer you know we i would like to see it'd be cool if we could come up with something else yeah i mean i don't i wouldn't say that innovation of events is done like i mean they can always do like look at this like straight rhythm this year it's the same thing but it's on the beach that's kind of an innovation in a way right like we're excited about it because something's different it's on the beach it's the same thing but it's different so it's exciting so, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that innovation of events is done, but I guess when you put it like that, like right when you said that just a second ago, it made me think a little bit. And I'm like, well, I mean, I guess what else 
you know, like what, I mean, like as for like literally Supercross, like what, are they going to come out with new obstacles or something? Like, I don't know. I mean, it definitely has evolved. Like when I watch older races and stuff, it seems like there's a lot more, you know, even like there used to be just like tabletops and Supercross, like different types of obstacles where now it seems like everything's kind of cookie cutter, but you know, things could change. And remember there were a bunch of walls a couple of years ago. (laughs) Yep. I don't know if these Sand. count as, but like I, even the metal started on metal. That's kind of an innovation. Like I don't know if it's better or worse. Yeah, but it's just not a major innovation. I think is what he was talking about. But I say add loop to loops, and then we'll go with the Gator Pit for Steve. Oh, are we going? Uh, yeah, our speed and style, like X Games. Yes. You guys start that. Be flipping the finish every lap. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's next. <laughs> <laughs> and then another thing with how I just mentioned the the grade. Yeah, we kind of. It was more for earlier in the conversation, but I actually thought it was really interesting, so I just wanted to bring it up. It was really interesting to me how they said that these grades at Motocross of Nations were grippier than Supercross, and I never knew that it was any different. And Eli even said he had to change his start technique and practice just to figure out how grippy these grades were compared to Supercross. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting point that I wanted to to mention really quick because it's just I never realized I didn't know they could get even grippier than we right. got. Yeah, the casual viewer, casual w- viewer of the sport wouldn't know that. So that was a really cool piece of information. Um, yeah. Ryan, the new Flockhart, he he uh, called in pit bike of nations. He was involved with that. Really, the story was our boy Galdi. Let's listen. I brought over Ryan Gald from the uh, bronze medal team and uh, added Noof and Quinn to the team, and I expected Noof. Galdi to sort of be like, here's how we do we this. We need like the maturity and the wisdom, yeah. right? Like he mm-hmm. he is the team leader. Follow me. I'll show you the way. Here's how we do it, guys. Here's how we get on right. the bronze medal right. or better or better. So he was enjoying some beverages throughout <laughs> the afternoon. Like, like it's red, bud. It's fine. He was Morning. enjoying some beverages. Morning. Morning and afternoon. I pulled in at about 840, 830, 840, and uh, there was already some solo cups uh, being filled up. You know, Galdi, we don't ride until about seven thirty, eight o'clock tonight. So in 12, 12 hours ish. Um, <laughs> Better get started a then. Time, a long time, and uh, <laughs> I actually left for a good part of the day. Down at about three o'clock um, before we started working on the bikes, I was like, uh, "Oh, we got a problem." I went over to the fire to the camper. Uh, maybe I don't know five o'clock, Noof, somewhere around there, and I had a sp- I had a uh, a moment with my rider, Mr. Gold, and said, hey, man, seriously, back and slow it down. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good, man. And I'm like, okay. Like, that was, as a manager, all I can do you is. said your piece. I said my piece. Yeah. And then, honestly, Noof, when he got down to the to time for qualifying, and, and he still seemed okay, and then I sort of lost track of him. Quinn's like, fuck, is that Galdi up there? And I'm like, I'm looking, and that's probably like 500 feet or so yeah. away from us. And He's walking alongside the fence line, and he's literally just getting past boo like drinks, <laughs> beer, fireball, and he. I counted, I counted seven beers or seven something. I couldn't see like right. seven different seven head tosses off. back, seven head back toss backs. <laughs> exactly with arm quite a ways from his mouth with liquid coming out. So, and I don't think it was water. Clearly. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I'm going to go to you first, RJ. I mean, that's 
not super surprising from Galdi, but I don't know, man. What do you what do you have to say? There was a lot I, more to it, right? There was the mooning. There was I think he was laying on the ground at one point. Uh, it was a shit show for Team Canada. It was, but dude, how do you not laugh at that? Oh, it's yeah. just, I mean, he's living his best life. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, mean, he probably feels like just a superstar, you know, walking the fence line, getting whatever he wants. And uh, I don't know. It's awesome. Like, what a memory. Yeah, until he hurt his shoulder. He did not care about the results for Team Canada and Pit Bike Nations. But, I mean, a story that everyone's going to talk about for years to come and uh just comical living his best life uh nothing wrong with it it's great i think it's great <laughs> i i think so too richard i mean the the funniest thing i didn't even put it in here where i guess he cut the track right during qualifying had the fastest lap time and it was like yeah i told you guys i'm good on a pit bike like that was so galdy <laughs> i don't know if you've ever met galdy but he is he's a riot man he's so funny yeah when i was up in canada oh, yeah, yeah. doing that season up there i met him he's super cool but i've heard that yeah he gets gets lit a little bit (laughs) and uh it sounds like those (laughs) that's true based on what steve was saying on the show but you know i mean you say he didn't care about the result of team canada but who knows you might be better on a pit bike when you're maybe when he's under influence you know what they say everybody's pro on a pit bike so maybe that's what he needed i don't know pit bike and nations just seemed like a really fun way to make an already super fun crazy weekend at redbud even better with you know that seemed like an, like almost people were as excited for that as they were for the actual race i mean we talked about it on our show when we were in studio for a long time yeah. like just how excited everyone was for that so it seemed like a really good time i posted a bunch of video on my instagram that night from it because yeah the people were as insane as they were during the race on Sunday. It was insane. Just absolute insanity. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Paul Parabino. No, actually, this, I want to ask you two guys one more thing. In studio last week, you're at the house. I don't know how much show prep you witnessed Steve doing, but was there anything, Richard, that you were surprised about, about Steve's show prep, you know, an hour before showtime, all the things that go on? Um. No, because I would say that me, Robbie, and RJ were kind of studying a little bit up. Like, we wanted to be educated. And, like, I follow the, the GPs and and knew a little bit, but wanted to, you know, freshen up for the show with our knowledge. So we were kind of downstairs checking it out. And then when, by the time we were up um, in the studio, it was about, I don't know, 15 minutes before showtime. Yeah, I mean, he was just doing his – he was just sitting behind the desk getting all situated and everything. But what actually surprised me a little bit was on the commercial break, like we're downstairs eating pizza, just hanging out and like, it's like, Oh, we're starting in like 40 seconds. And we're like, Oh, we better go up there. And it's like, just kind of like, it's such a non, it's like only 40 seconds away, but like no one's even stressing. And then like, yeah. we just get up there and flow back into the show. So that was kind of interesting. Like I thought we need to be up there like 10 minutes early, ready to go. Or it's kind of just like, you know, it's very chill. How about you, RJ? Anything? Uh, nothing really stood out to me that much. Um, I feel like they got the program so dialed in that yeah. even like, uh, you know, Travis and Tater, like they didn't show up like as early as I thought they would. You know, like they show last minute sometimes. And I don't know exactly what they did up there, but yeah. I feel like everything's just kind of ready to go and turn key. And um, 
yeah i mean just overall to say it again the experience of being in studio was cool and um i thoroughly enjoyed it it was rad all right well paul parabino's joined for a short bit he was part of team usa this year helped raise almost forty seven thousand dollars for team usa seemed like he made a big difference richard right with helping with team communication he talked about going from one team to the other kind of relaying things helping make sure they all knew who was getting what gate pick and where they were starting just sounded much more organized, which is exactly what Paul said he wanted to do. I, I'm a big fan of Paul Parabinos, and he seems like he was really a big part of this, uh, the, the success of the overall team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I heard, you know, those little things, like how people miss inside gates that are open, things like that that are, like, you'd think would be so basic. Like, I, I would never thought, like, you know, these guys are all factory team riders, factory teams behind them. But I guess when you're mushing them up into a three-man team where everyone's coming together from different teams and things, I guess little stuff like that gets overlooked. So it is good to have a guy like Paul there, you know, on top of it. The the Hunter Lawrence thing where they, like, they caught him wiping his gate or whatever. I yeah. guess that was a, like things like that you would never even know. Um you know, that's, that's really cool. He was there to be on top of it. And then the whole golf tournament, like I was there for Pulp MX, me and my brother and my uncle and my buddy. And we saw you out there, uh, Jamie, uh, Crushing that it. was a really, <laughs> that was a really fun experience. Uh, I sucked, but it was still a lot of fun and it was cool. I mean, it was going to, you know, helping out USA. So yeah, it was a lot. he did a good job. So I, I appreciate all Paul Parabino's efforts. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport.com is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. Before we get this thing wrapped up, just a couple more things. I want to go through the Race Tech rant. Um, this, one, this one hit home because I was there. We had the world's media me at this race, Motocross the Nations. I mean, 200 people maybe were credentialed for this thing. Uh, maybe more or less. I feel like 200 in that room. We had no fucking Wi-Fi, like, all weekend. Like, it worked on Friday. Yeah, Friday was good. Friday was okay. And then after that, I don't know if it was the influx of people or the photographers or what did it. But Saturday and Sunday, the Wi-Fi was maybe 20% of the time. And you think about the number of people, motocross fans across the world, that could not know what the fuck was going on at the motocross Well, it was on television. There are plenty of ways yeah. to know what's going on. I guarantee you there were fans that turned on MAV-TV Sunday afternoon thinking, oh, it's at Redbud, it'll just be on MAV. <laughs> well, I have and no, they're like, I have no comment. Okay, so... So then their next move would be to check the internet to find out what's going on. To not have Wi-Fi. And I've been to GPs all over the world. Uh, I've been to MX Nations all over the world. They, they had football games over the weekend? Yeah, yeah. Go to ESPN. Yeah, yeah. They just don't have any coverage yeah. of football today. Yeah. It's no, the, they do. It's MXGP.com. They have all the coverage. But I'm saying you have your typical places where you get your news, and then all of a sudden they would just not have any news. And Weege tells me... Oh, they're using the AMA for the for the Wi-Fi this weekend. It's an MXGP promoted race. You would you I assumed, I guess, in my mind, even though we were on US soil, that the MXGP people would bring all the things to run Wi-Fi and we would not have a problem. But once you inform me, Weege, that the fucking AMA was in charge of this, everything made sense. 
All right, I gotta admit, first of all, racetech.com, pulp twenty two to save. Not having Wi Fi at an event that size, it was so frustrating and seemed so amateurish. Richard, he's right. And to put the blame on the AMA, I don't know who takes the blame. Whoever it is should have had that figured out. Like that is very unprofessional to not have like there was almost zero access for the media. We couldn't do shit. So was the Wi-Fi like just not there or was it not working? Or wasn't like, working. Were you, so we're connected, but nothing was happening. Yeah. So like Friday when we got there, there was two separate media Wi-Fi's. One of them worked really well. We came in Saturday morning and they had combined them somehow. I don't know what, I don't know the technical side of that. It just, but it wouldn't work. You could, you couldn't open anything on your phone. You couldn't like, you could go to, okay, like racer, racerx.com would open, but you couldn't do much with it. You couldn't go to vital MX. You couldn't upload any videos. You couldn't upload any pictures. Everybody was having the airdrop stuff back and forth between phones and laptops, but you still couldn't upload it. it yeah. You just couldn't report anything. You couldn't tweet, you know, Twitter's a big media source for events going on at the races, right? Racer X, Vital, we all tweet. It, whatever we're finding out, we're putting that on Twitter. Couldn't do any of that. Yeah, that's got to be just driving everybody crazy at yep. the event. I know how it is. Like, and, and Redbud, of course, is one of those tracks that just has nothing. If there's no Wi-Fi, you're not doing anything, you know? So that's got to be super frustrating, especially at one of the, you know, the race, the, one of the biggest races of the year. On top of that, when it's not, you know, I know it was on CBS, but when it's not free to watch, if you don't have MXGP TV, like everyone wants to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And like they were saying, like you can just go on and check, but I feel like people don't have all the common sense in the world these days to figure that stuff out. So, but I bet, yeah, you got it. You got to have a little bit of a better game plan with Wi-Fi if uh, you know there's no service, you know there's going to be a million people there. You got to make it work. Yeah, it's a bad look. And RJ, like a lot of people that I know follow the events of the race. Maybe they're not home watching TV at the time, but they look at Twitter and they count on Racer X and Vital play-by-plays almost. You know, Chase Sexton just lost the front end. Dylan passes him for the win. Like there's almost play-by-play stuff. You're looking for that. And when your feed is zero, there's no no uh, updates on the race, The big one of the biggest events of the year, it's not a, again it's not a good look absolutely it's uh at this stage of the game i feel like it's almost unacceptable i would say that was a very very great race tech ran of the night yeah um and yeah twitter is definitely a huge way to literally lap by lap you can almost read through a race it's a great way to almost you know in quote broadcast the race i guess if you're not watching it on tv and you're somewhere where you don't have access to a tv or something like that if you're there's so many people out there that you know like you said rely on that twitter feed to give them lap by lap play so that's uh that's the issue you know we always talk about how we can grow the sport of motocross there are sometimes some very simple ways like i (laughs) i'm not very techie but why can't we have you know would it be modems or Wi-Fi, you know, whatever it is, why can't we have 20 of those, you know, where there's, you can split it up and, and make it happen. I feel like that's not necessarily reinventing the wheel and a pretty simple way to continue to grow the sport. Yeah. I'm sure it has something to do with cost, but still it was, it's something they need to fix last. Well, he oh, said that, uh, somebody's making money there. Red so Bud, yeah. He said Redbud. Yeah. 
Well, and, yeah, and, uh, somebody's making front. money, so I think we can afford some Wi-Fi. Yeah, I on. think so. Last topic I want to touch on real quick. I called in. Steve did somehow. Steve got a tweet out about my my uh, donuts Sunday morning and my my Pepsi, and he seems very very concerned, guys. RJ about my prep, my training. I, I just feel like it's all. He's worried, man. I think he's worried. He knows I'm coming for him, and it's not going to go well for him. Yeah, I mean, you know, not to take Steve's side, but I was slightly concerned on the diet prep. I mean, I know you have plenty of our jerky (laughs) stuffed away in your pocket, and to go for donuts instead of some good protein, I was a little concerned there. Um, Also pretty concerned on, you know, your new endeavors at Vital MX and having that bad of a, uh, you know, Miss some misspelled words in there and your flow of English. I, I was a little concerned. <laughs> that one's so fair. That one's I'm fair. I'm sitting on each side of the teeter totter here, but okay. we need to clean that up. We need to clean that up. All right. So the donuts, they're Intamin's softies donuts, and you can't get those where I live. They're up north. They're so good. So I bought a box. Didn't mean I ate that many of them. I told Steve. I said, "How mm-hmm. do you know I'm eating them? Maybe I'm just trying to get in your head." And the Pepsi, <laughs> I literally took two drinks out of the Pepsi and I tossed it. But I just, I wanted a little Pepsi. I wanted a couple of donuts. You know, the, the options See? were, they were somewhat limited at the track. And yeah, maybe I cheated a little bit. Hey, hey, listen, I, I understand. And like, you could have, you're doing exactly maybe what Ferrandis was trying to do to Sexton on Saturday. You know, you yeah. pressured him into the mistake. So you're trying to play a little reverse psychology on Steve. Hey, this is what I'm eating and it's okay. It's working. And I'm still so going to beat you. you. Know, <laughs> I like it. It's a good strategy. Speaking of our jerky, eatourjerky.com. I don't remember the pulp code. Do you remember it off the top of your head, RJ? Pulp 20. Pulp 20 to save it's, it. It's, Eat. Been, it's been used quite a lot lately. So nice. We're stoked. Yeah, the sport's been unreal. Eat R, the letter R, eatourjerky.com. Get you some of the sweet and spicy. Oh, my God, it's so good. I got to order some more. I'm going to place an order tonight. Uh, Richard, right before we go, your thoughts on Steve and I's back and forth about vets. He he's you know worried or he's talking about the bike he's bringing. He's worried about what I'm eating. I just like I said on Monday night. I think all he needs to really focus on is going and doing some starts. Yeah, I would agree. Like I said, me and RJ know this top secret, um, you know, plan that Steve has for this year's World Vets. I will say this: it doesn't help his start in any way. Okay. So you just need to, you know, with that in mind, that should give you some a little bit of assurance. Uh, so, Dark Side, how how much have you been riding lately? At least once a week. I'm racing Friday night. Uh, I'll probably ride somewhere Saturday. Yeah, so I'm riding at least once a week. And I've been when I go, I've been doing two twenty fives, not like full bore, but basically just trying to put in a consistent laps, twenty five minutes. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. So, yeah, I don't know about Steve, but it seems like he's, what, ridden once or twice? Yeah, and I know so. they're gonna. he's going to ride some more. Uh, I think Kiefer is renting out um, – what is that track up there by him? That uh, Mesquite. They're going to rent out the Mesquite one day before uh, Vets and do some testing or something, and I think Steve's going to go ride more than likely. But he, he also mentioned he's going to be in Cancun the week before, so I don't know. Hey, nothing replaces gate drops. So the fact that you're racing – you know, like I kind of almost want to put my money on you, uh, put my money on you that you're going to maybe get this done. Just if outstart him uh, and just hang in there. I mean, I think you've been putting the motos in, putting the laps in, got the gate drops. 
I, I kind of think you're going to outlast him, uh, considering, I mean, he rips on the e-bike, but yes, he does. nothing place is riding a dirt bike. So I, I don't know, man. I, like I said, I'm kind of, I, I kind of think you might have an edge this time. Yeah, I will say this weekend I'm racing the two-stroke because the suspension for the 350 is off at Racetech. But even better, yeah, because you're going to get back on that four-stroke and it's going to be so easy to ride. You're yep. never going to be in the. You're going to be shredding with all that momentum you learn on this thing. It's gonna be Richard to- is pumping you up. Uh, it's going to be such domination. I I asked him Monday night about like the fans if anybody said anything to him because I don't know how many I I probably met well over 100 people, you know, just and took pictures and visiting and everybody talking about vets. And most of them were like, oh, we, I think you got him at vets. And I was like, well, make sure when you see him, you say that. Well, I want everybody to let them know that, you know, they think I'm the guy that's going to win. And I had a guy literally DM me earlier wanting to know what class we're signing up for because he's going to go and wants to line up. And I was like, well, cool. I'll put you on the other side of Steve. So we're going to, that's my goal is to line up next to Steve. And I want to, I want to fuck with him. I'll be like, Hey, what's up? You know, just talk to him, try to irritate him right before the gate drops. So I don't know. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I'm sure I'll be frustrated if he beats me, but I'm trying to just have fun with it, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Go ahead. You're the one no pressure. Steve's got to be thinking about it a little bit at this point, you know. I think so. I, I think. I mean, I think we both are, because it's going to be a talking. <laughs> it's going to be a talking point for a while, either way. So, well, yeah, vet nationals, guys. Well, we don't know what class we're signing up for, by the way, because I texted him today. I was going to try to go ahead and pre-register. What class are you signing up for, Steve? Is it plus forty-five intermediate? I don't know. It depends on the schedule. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? I need to know what class. Yeah. So, I guess I'm waiting till day of. Cause I guess no, seriously, that, that is like something good to look at. Look at the schedule because last year I was like moto 12 or something yeah. plus 25. I was there. The sun had set <laughs> for my second moto. I yeah. was racing in the dark. So look at the schedule and depending on what skill level is race two or three, sign up for that one. Well, there's only two options. <laughs> I mean, it's either plus 40 or plus 45. Those are probably our options. I can't imagine we're going to sign up for the plus 30 or 35. Those guys are going to work us even I mean, more. that's true. It doesn't even matter. It's a race between you two at this point. That's you true, I suppose. 58 pro. Well, sorry. <laughs> I'm not signing up for the pro class because that fucks me here in Texas. I'll have to sign up for the pro class everywhere. Yeah, everyone's just going to be watching YouTube, so you don't even need to worry about uh, the plaster. It's going to be good. I, I, a bunch of the, the riders were like, ooh, you know, they're like, well, we might come out. I think uh, Kato Grady, which was Dino's mechanic at the end, he, he said if he's off, he's going to come wrench for me. So I, I'm trying to get a bunch of people out there just to fucking nice. make it bigger. All right, let's wrap this thing up. I want to thank Motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, and Seal Savers, as well as all the other Pulp Mech sponsors, including X-Brand Goggles, Fly Racing, Race Tech, our jerky. Anybody that supports Pulpmex, go to pulpmexshow.com, click on the sponsor deals, uh, the links, use the codes, support those sponsors so they keep supporting the show. Questions, comments, critiques, or anything else, darkside at pulpmex.com. Other than that, RJ, Richard, thank you for doing this. It's been a lot of fun, but we're out. What's up? As an added bonus, Richard and RJ and I had a little longer conversation than what I was recording on the software, but I had a backup recording going in. The guys kind of talked a little bit more about some stories from last week when they were with Steve. So I wanted to give you a little more audio to listen to a little more behind the scenes stuff that I think Steve will enjoy you guys hearing. So here you go. Sounds good. Hey, really quick, really quick, really quick. Yeah, go ahead. Up. Go ahead. One, I was going to ask you this while we're on. Did you rev up anybody's bike? 
Did I what? Did you rev up anybody? No, bike? I I didn't. What? I never got the like, hey, step over here. I was kind of four rows back probably because I got there a little bit late. So I did uh, not. Okay. I did not get the opportunity. Dude, uh, honestly, all right. Answer that question. I'm kind of with Steve on that a little bit. Like when I see Justin Cooper's YZ250 getting revved up or whatever, it kind of hurts my soul a little bit because I know how bad I would kill for any of that. <laughs> you know yeah oh yeah yeah that's what i was literally thinking i was like i'll I'll take that engine dude like if you don't want it you guys don't want that shit like (laughs) i'll take it i'll put it in my 9800 and take it home with me last thing that i had that i wanted to really bring up i wanted to turn this interview around onto you what the fuck you said um that we were really sheltered when we were on the show in your wrap-up show last weekend and that you didn't feel like we were acting like us. Something kind of around that general area. Oh, yeah, I so th- just wanted to hear, you know, your thoughts on that. I, I thought you guys were a little nervous. Like kind of you like you said you needed to speak up a little bit more, maybe get more involved. I thought you were tr- you're being cautious maybe and just kind of like eh. okay. yeah, okay. I thought you guys were holding back cuz you weren't talking as much as you would like if we were just bullshitting. Well, right, part right. of that Do you feel yeah. like in the studio and Richard is probably just going to say this. Sorry to cut you off. But do you feel like when you're in studio, like it is not easy to get a word in. Like you have to freaking speak up and stick it. And that idea has got to be in your head so you can yeah. rip and roll with it or else you're getting shut down or talked over. Yeah. So like I've been in studio now, I think three times. And the first time everybody's like, you didn't talk much. And I felt like I was kind of waiting my turn or for Steve to give me the mm-hmm. nod. The last time I felt like I would, I would just sort of put my finger up or I, I would just talk a little bit more. So yeah, that first time you don't really know it, it's different being in there than watching you like, you don't know the rhythm and you don't want to step over. If Steve has a point that he's trying to make, you don't know what his schedule is a little bit. So yeah, right. I, I was more cautious the first time I think too. Yeah. And I was going to say also, um, our guests, weren't were just a little tough like they were just a little tough for us to relate to and like uh-huh. talk about like litter I, I feel like like half the show was either pit bike and nations or about the red buds back prep and stuff but we didn't really have like what are we gonna we can't add that much to those points as if it's like a rider discussing things about the track or about how he was great or you know our guest lineup was a little kind of weak for us. Yeah, like, yeah. Kind of- like you, you asked some good questions of Tim Ritchie about the the leap and some track prep stuff. So yeah, I could see. Yeah, where it might have been a little. Yeah, the guest, the guests definitely determine a little bit of how you ask questions. So I definitely can see that. Yeah, I that, was, that was definitely tough. But yeah, that's all. I just wanted to fuck with you and, yeah, and bring no, that up. But I just no, think you guys have more knowledge and more like interest in this like you you guys have more to say than you let on in that particular episode yes yeah it was just hard to talk like and there's three of us yeah I that's, feel like robbie see, like even when we were leaving robbie was like dude i'm definitely the quiet one and he was all pissed <laughs> he's like i wanted to talk but he's like i just never like felt confident or comfortable enough to be like okay here's a question then he's like you know, he was saying that Richard and I may have already asked a question that he maybe had in mind. And then mm-hmm. after that, it was like, what else do I talk about? What am I going to say and not sound like an idiot? But no, I was just busting your balls. Like being in studio was awesome. And like, I wish I would have said this while we were wrapping up, but like uh, a few things we did talk about, like behind the scenes was just like, like Steve and I talked about what he did prior before Pulp MX, what brought him to Vegas 
all that kind of stuff. And we talked a lot about like Roxon's deal because that was pretty, you know, new to the storyline when we were there. And we were just talking about like how Kenny, you know, like where his mindset can be at. Does he realize what he has and what he had and what should he do and like communication skills and his agent? Like we were just talking like more in depth about certain things that, you know, how do you not see these things and stuff like that? So just so you know, for the, for the backside of, of being there before the show, uh, we talked a lot about stuff like that, you know, uh, both Richard's dad, my dad's racing career, stuff like that. That's just cool. Yeah. A lot of moto. Yeah. I, uh, it was super fun. Like we had a great time. When we were talking about like, Oh, what you, you were like, really give us the inside scoop. Like Steve mentioned something about like, I don't know when they would, but like, there's like plans to race in that new Vegas stadium. And I was like kind of almost accidentally leaning towards there, but I didn't want to get anyone or myself or anyone in trouble. So I was like, I just steered away from it. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, I, no, yeah. yeah. Thank you for having us. And yeah, it was super fun. When are you going to be in Cali next? Uh, that's to be the next time I was supposed to go Tuesday for that, uh, press conference, but I'm just going to stay oh, home. Okay. And it's cool. It's funny because Steve gave Glenn Helen so much shit and yeah. still kind of does for how it was run last year. But, right. And they, I think they were kind of bummed and they had a talk with Steve about it. Like they weren't stoked on what he said, but the amount of press you guys are giving this world bets is insane. Like Glenn Helen has to just be like beside themselves to be pumped um, about this. So it's cool. You guys are great for the sport and, cool to build like something yeah it's world vets but i don't know we kind of looked at it as like a, almost a little bit of a local race on yeah from being in california but it's cool i think it's you guys are giving it some good buzz and i think it'll be big it'll be really cool for for glenn helen so oh, i can't wait guys well i'm gonna get this thing yeah, edited I, and uh yeah get this thing right done tonight why would you want to re-talk about the pulp show Tell me